Yo, it's Tim Davidson, and you're listening to the Greatest Years and Stars podcast, and I'm your host. I got an interesting question earlier this week, and I actually had to think about it for a while. And um, the question was, what was my favorite finishing maneuver in the 90s? And I, yeah, I, I didn't really think back about this question uh, before I started recording this episode. And I really came across three moves. One of them is uh, was, was uh, the uh, Tombstone Piledriver, made famous by The Undertaker, of course. Um, Shawn Michaels Super Kick was another one that, that really made me wince as a teenager when I, whenever I watched Shawn Michaels perform that move as he kicked somebody in the head and made the neck snap back. Um, and, the, and the last one was the DET, made famous by Jake the Snake. Now, the irony is the last two that I just mentioned uh, they're, they're basically just transition moves now, unfortunately, um, where it's, it, as wrestling has continued to evolve over the natural course of time, and uh, from time to time, I'll even watch an, an NXT match recommended by a close friend of mine, and, and quite frankly, moves, have, moves that used to be finishes 15, 20 years ago or, or more, are now just transition moves. They're set up moves. I mean, people don't even go for false covers anymore after a DDT or a super kick. You know, I mean, it's just, it's it's really bastardized for the lack of a better term. Um, uh, the industry in a way where you, you, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost no sell territory anymore. And when you get hit with a, with a super kick or a DDT, you know, and it's, it's just, I, I just kind of shake my head at that when I see these guys spamming the same exact moves several times in a match. I mean, and that's something that, that kind of turned me off from watching NXT matches is guys would repeatedly do the exact same move with leg slaps as well. And it's just, and, you know, it's, I just can't, I can't get with that where they're just spamming the crap out of one particular move over and over. Um, now, the, the, the thing for me that really stands out as far as NXT is concerned is actually the crowd. The crowd is very Attitude Era-esque, and um, that's ultimately the biggest thing that I actually will give the NXT universe, if you will, um, some praise over, is the crowd interaction. Uh, so, um, with that said, yeah, to, to bring the to, to bring the question, I, I would say because because of because of what I just said, as far as how the moves continue to be just spammed and their transition moves, they're no longer looked at as finishes. And you got guys like Shawn Michaels, who's retired now, Undertaker, who's retired. Um, and of course, Jake Snake has been retired. Um, the one that really stood the test of time, though, was the Tombstone Pile Driver. So that that would probably be my favorite finish um, from the '90s. That actually, in hindsight, now I look back at and be like, yeah, you know, because that's that's a move that was has not been replicated 
as far as just being a regular standard wrestling move that's performed in a match that may lead to a false finish or a transition spot. You know, so with that said, um, that brings me to today's episode. And uh, before I get started with today's episode, um, I don't condone in any by any stretch of the imagination of what happened with Chris Benoit in 2007. I don't condone as far as in his personal life and what have you. And some people are still um, really sickened by it when they think about it. Um, and so just because I have taken time to do an episode on Chris Benoit, I'm not going to talk about any of that as far as what that happened about. The Chris Benoit that I'm t- going to talk about is strictly from him as an in-ring performer and his year in particular of 2001. And the reason why I wanted to choose 2001 uh, for, for starters is because despite him actually suffering a neck injury and uh, halfway through 2001 and put him on the shelf until the summer of 2002, he had so many critical matches um, at that time in 2001. So many highlight reel big time matches before he ultimately uh, got injured. And so that's why I chose to do Chris Benoit 2001 because he made such a huge impact um, in 2001 through just a half half the year that it was worth going back to reliving. So again, hopefully, hopefully everybody can get through this particular episode. Um, if not, then uh, just skip on into the next one. If, if you find it difficult to actually separate Chris Benoit's personal life from his wrestling life, um, then I, I can't blame you for that. But for me, as, as an old fan of his, and, and I started watching Chris Benoit back in 1995. He made, he, he made his debut in Stampede Wrestling in 1985, uh, but that, that was before my time. But I first saw Chris Benoit in 1995 at WCW and immediately became, took a liking to him, immediately, because of his believability, his intensity, um, a guy that was that was short, but also at the same time shredded. And the guy, he was just so believable and ferocious. I mean, Chris Benoit could take on uh, any of the biggest guys in the business and make it believable because the man just would shred you to death. Um, and much, much love to uh, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Shout out to Nate. Woo! But I'm sorry, Nate. When it comes to reverse knife edge chops, uh, Chris Benoit always made me turn my head. He always made me turn my head when he hit the reverse when when he would nail those. Uh, I mean, just I mean, he he was just on another level of intensity. Uh, so with that said, as I get started with Chris Benoit, 2001. This is episode six, and uh, right off the top. Right off the top, Chris is defending his belt, the IC belt, that is, against Chris Jericho at the Royal Rumble in a ladder match. Just an absolute barn burner. Just a barn burner of a match. 
easily eight, nine out of 10 match. Um, and just and really just, was just an instant classic with him and Jer him and Chris Jericho always had phenomenal, phenomenal chemistry together. They always had great chemistry. Um, so it wasn't even a shock that they would go out there and tear the house down um, at the Royal Rumble. And, uh, and a side note, by the way, the 2001 Royal Rumble as a whole is actually, when you, when you talk about the entire pay-per-view and not just the Rumble match itself, um, it's actually my favorite Royal Rumble of all time. The actual card, the, the entire card itself um, is my favorite Royal Rumble. As far as the actual match itself, the Rumble match, it's, on, it's second only behind the 1992 Royal Rumble. It's effectively the last Royal Rumble of the Attitude Era, and it went out with an absolute bang. It went out with a bang. But uh, continuing on, though, with Chris Benoit. So there's problems in the radical camp. And Benoit would break away from the radicals um, and, and become a babyface. So he well, he goes into the match as a heel, by the way, against Chris Jericho. And again, I, I can't put that match over enough. If you haven't seen it, um, I recommend everybody, anybody to go watch that match. And, and, the, and it, those are the people that can um, separate and, and watch Chris Benoit's match without being effective of what happened in his real life. I can't say that enough as well. Um, but moving right along. So he begins butting heads with none other than Kurt Angle shortly after breaking away from the Radicals. And uh, him and Kurt Angle are going back at, going back and forth at this time. Now, Kurt Angle, who the year prior, late in 2000, um, had, had, had just began or begun using the ankle lock submission and was getting it over by making people tap to it immediately. So he brought that in into uh, 2001, and um, the move he made the move look look very strong, very believable. Um, initially, so when I first saw him using that, I you know I kind of like cringed a little bit, you know, because that was Shamrock's finish. But Shamrock had been gone since uh, late '99, so um, by this time. It, 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 it wasn't really a factor anymore. Uh, Shamrock, that is, wasn't a factor. So, so they, they have a showdown at WrestleMania 17. Once again, I mean, a, a match that I personally give 8 out of 10. Um, I mean, you, you want to talk about a scientific masterpiece. I mean, just both, both guys were just absolute aces I mean I mean I've, I've, I've watched this match so many times um, back and forth I mean both guys just trying to mat, out out mat wrestle each other counter after counter each guy had a counter forward counter I mean just 
Even with, I mean, Kurt Angle comes in the match as a heel, of course. So he keeps his heat. And uh, they're far from over, folks. They are far from over. Um, and this sets up an ultimate submission match at the next pay-per-view. And if you, if you didn't think that it could get any better than their WrestleMania match, you were deadly mistaken. Because they put on basically the ultimate submission match. It's a 30-minute Iron Man submission match. It's basically to, to break it down in layman's terms. And once again, I just can't put the match over enough. I give it a nine out of ten. Um, I just—it's another match that I've watched multiple times. I mean, I mean, these guys' mat work is just so remarkable. It's so very remarkable. Um, and it's almost like they're really getting after it. They're really being snug. Their their work is beyond believable, and it just has the crowd on their seat. Like, whoa! I mean, it's it's one of those matches where you felt like you got your money's worth just off of that match. You came to see a three-hour show, and if you had to leave right after that match, you'd be satisfied. I mean, that's how awesome that match really was. This time, Benoit gets the win in overtime, by the way. Um, Kurt Angle has the ankle lock on Chris Benoit as the time is expiring on the clock. They're tied up on the scorecard. Benoit grabs the rope. He, he taps after, after the clock expires. Uh, so Kurt Angle feigns like he's winning and, uh, and that he actually won the match. He's leaving. The match gets restarted into a sudden, sudden death overtime. Crippler crossface, middle of the ring. Kurt taps out. Benoit is your victor. The next night on Raw, Kurt Angle comes out, complains that he was screwed and that he actually won the match, that Benoit tapped at the end of the match last before it went into overtime. And this this causes Benoit to come out. And uh, he dumps Kurt Angle over the top rope. Kurt's medals come crashing to the floor. He takes Kurt's medals and puts them in his tights. <laughs> uh, it storms off with him and Kurt obviously was not happy about that and uh, went out of his way to try to find Chris Benoit and um, 
I mean, hilarity ensues. You know, where Kurt, I remember Kurt saying, those aren't Chris Benoit's better, they're mine, 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 mine. You know, it's... <laughs> so he's chasing him all over town. He's chasing him all over the place. Never actually gets his hand on him. Uh, Chris Benoit winds up back in the ring, and Kurt is at WWE New York. And uh, he challenges Kurt Angle to another match. And ultimately, it turns out to be a two out of three falls, a very unique two out of three falls match at Judgment Day. And um, the match would consist of the first fall being pinfall only, the second fall being submission only, and the third fall being a ladder match with the medals hanging up above the ring. Um, Chris Benoit, the match, I, I would say this match is a little bit of a step down from their WrestleMania 8 match. Nowhere near their, their backlash match that they had as far as ultimate submission. But a still solid, solid match um, between the two men. Still a solid match. I would still give it uh, approximately about a 7.5 out of 10 if I had to give it a number. Um, Chris Benoit wins the first match in approximately about 30 seconds, um, delivering Angle's own finishing maneuver, the Angle Slam, pinning Kurt Angle, uh, immediately slapping on the Crippler crossface to begin round two, or should I say fall two, and ultimately uh, he escapes. And they both, matter of fact, escape each other's finishing maneuvers on multiple occasions and they're using other submission holds to try to get their other men to get, get their, their opponent to submit. And that doesn't happen up until Kurt Angle um, finally gets his ankle lock in the middle of the ring. Chris Benoit taps. It's tied up. Uh, the final round, um, which was it's all pretty blurred. It's pretty quick how it all happened and broke down in about four to five minutes. Uh, Edge and Christian, who were buddies of Kurt Angle at the time, came down, um, ambushed Chris Benoit, which allowed Kurt Angle to get his medals and um, win the match. Now, what's interesting is Benoit, on that same night at Judgment Day, would actually go on to team up with Y2J Chris Jericho and enter the tag team turmoil number one contender match. And they were victorious. The tag team champions at the time were the two-man power trip, which was Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. They would get that match the next night on Raw in the main event. And they won. They won the match. This is the, the infamous match, by the way, where Triple H tore his quad and put him out for eight months. But Jericho and Benoit are victorious. The following week on SmackDown, in his hometown of Edmonton, Chris Benoit and Stone Cold put on an absolute four-star classic. 8 out of 10 match, in my opinion. Um, 
with that what's noted what's most notice notable from the match is Chris Benoit connecting on 10 German suplexes back to 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 back I mean just I'm just it was really just breathtaking at the time and um, he is unsuccessful at capturing the WWF title ultimately the very next week on Raw Chris Benoit has a final epic encounter and I do mean epic against Kurt Angle in a cage match and if you haven't seen this match, much like I've recommended his other matches with Kurt Angle, especially the WrestleMania and Backlash match, go pull this up immediately. Go pull this up immediately. Quite frankly, I give the match a 10 out of 10. Um, just unbelievable spots that these guys had in this match. I mean, I'm talking about uh, German suplexes off the top rope. Uh, diving headbutts off the top of the cage. Kurt goes for a, a moonsault off the top of the cage. I mean, it is quite the spectacle. I mean, it's, it's, it, it'll make your jaw hit the floor when you see some of the spots that these guys were doing. I mean, it. quite frankly, it was a match of the year candidate. All the while, Stone Cold Steve Austin is doing commentary on uh, 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 at, at, at ringside. And he's ultimately um, going to interfere in the finish. Slams the door on, on uh, Chris Benoit's head as he's trying to escape through the door. And Kurt Angle gets over the top rope on the other side of the ring and onto the floor. Kurt Angle is your winner. That smackdown. And the hits keep on coming. I mean, I just... Smackdown. A four-way TLC match on free TV. And I, once again, I mean, you got the Dudleys, you got the Hardys, you got Edge and Christian, and you got Jericho and Benoit. I, I mean, I, again, again, I mean, just a breathtaking match. Another breathtaking match that you simply just can't miss. And if you don't quite remember it, it's kind of vague to you now. And, that, and that's easy to, to understand. This being, you know, almost 20 years ago. But if you haven't seen it recently, go back and watch it. Chris Benoit and Jericho actually retain, although a very bitter, sweet um, retaining of the titles and the reason why I say that is because it is revealed at a later time that Chris Benoit actually uh, ruptured a disc in his neck in this in this match and he ultimately would have to have surgery um, and be out for a year as I talked about earlier but not before his triple threat main event match at King of the Ring 2001 that would pit Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was a really good match as well. It was a real good match. 
um, with a very anticlimactic um, ending. And to the naked eye, to the naked eye, you can actually go back. If you go back and watch, it looks as if Chris Benoit, that is, um, broke his neck in this match itself. But ultimately, what happens is he goes for a superplex on Chris Jericho off the top rope. They hit a superplex. Benoit is writhing in pain. He's rolled. He's the one that actually uh, performed. He was on the offensive hitting the superplex. But in beautiful wrestling fashion, both men on that spot are supposed to sell. And when it came to selling, Chris Benoit was always one of the best in the business. Quite frankly, as a whole, Chris Benoit was always one of the best in the business. And it's a shame that he will never, ever see the light of day in any kind of Hall of Fame, for that matter. Not necessarily just the, just the WWE Hall of Fame, which some people find to be kind of, uh, they kind of scoff at, because it's not actually a Hall of Fame that you can actually go visit and take a look. Uh, but it, it's, it all boils down to just once, one ceremony uh, once a year that you attend and then you get a ring for it, and that's literally it. But there's actually not a legitimate Hall of Fame that you can go visit at a physical address. That does not exist, and that's where the actual uh, issue is for a lot of people um, who, who find it laughable, for lack of a better word, that, there's, that, that, that WWE has this Hall of Fame each and every year, but there's not an actual Hall of Fame to go visit. So, uh, so yeah, you know, and I, and I kind of fall in between the gray area. I think it's cool that they still uh, recognize and give shine to some of the best in the business and some people that were very important to the business, um, and and to give them that 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 last that last spotlight, if you will, as their career winds down or as they've retired now, and they give them that last rub in a way. So, uh, but but. Yeah, Chris Benoit, man. I mean, it, it, again, the, the last thing, the last spot of the match, superplex off the top rope. He's rolling around, writhing. And if you listen closely, you can actually hear Chris Benoit call over Steve Austin as he's on the ground. He's calling for him uh, to come pin, to come pin him. And Steve doesn't initially get there for at least 30 to 40 seconds. And right before he pins him, he stops next to Benoit's head and he's listening to him and then he pins him. So it's a very anticlimactic match and Benoit would be gone for the next year on the shelf with a broken neck. And if there's anybody that knows anything about broken necks, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that that's quite uh, the poetic justice there um, to have a guy who was on the shelf also with a year from a broken neck to pin a guy who just re-aggravated or not, if not caused more damage to an already broken neck and, uh, and, and, and to retain his title. So that wraps up Chris Benoit's 2001. I mean, you, you can see despite the fact that it's just um, a, 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 a half, of, half a year, six months into 2001, but I mean, he made his money and then some, quite frankly, in 2001. I mean, I mean, just phenomenal matches all over the place from start to finish. Uh, I mean, the man just really, really just turned it up a notch 
um, in, in 2001. And again, I expected big things from Chris Benoit, being a fan of his from the, from all the way from 1995 in WCW. So I knew the guy was a big time player. I knew he was uh, a main event level talent that wasn't really getting his just due in WCW. Hence why he left WCW for greener pastures. And um, to, to and, and despite the fact that I chronicled his 2001, he makes his debut in January of 2000. And by the summer of 2000, he's in the main event with The Rock. Just think about that for a second. Chris Benoit is in the main event on a pay-per-view at Fully Loaded, to be specific, in July against The Rock. Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the shelf with his broken neck at this particular time, ironically. And Chris Benoit gets the call against The Rock. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, that, that pretty much tells you all you need to know as far as uh, Chris Benoit's concerned, because I assure you that The Rock was totally in favor of working with Chris Benoit. I guarantee you he was a, a big proponent of having Chris Benoit in the main event in a title, in a world title match against him. Um, yeah, that, that says all I need to know. That, that tells you all you need to know about just how amazing this man truly was in the wrestling ring. In the wrestling ring, they're, 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 this, this guy was just on another level of believability and intensity. Um, but yeah, uh, again, that wraps up this particular episode. And coming up in episode seven, I will be talking about yet another unsung hero, in my opinion, of the Attitude Era. This is another guy who uh, paid his dues in the wrestling business. And not only did he get a uh, fantastic push in the in the year 2000, but he also uh, got over. He got over, you know, big time with the fans. Um, and so with that said, in episode seven, I will bring to you guys uh, the 2000 year of Rikishi. Rikishi is coming up.